Wednesday, February 28th, last day of the final month before March, the best month of the calendar year. Sleepers Podcast, back. Carter Elliott is with me. Greg Waddell here. Card, how are you? Post getting Dale Bonnard. Um, pain's a little bit less, but it's still very relevant. When does the Dale Bonner hurt go away? Like, am I, can I get like six days out and everything gets better? Probably once the season's over. Okay. So, like, even if Purdue beats you by 60 and Zach Eady has 72 points, you're still going to be like, I got Dale Bonnard a week ago. Yeah. I got, like, I got Dale Bonnard, and this was just like an extra, extra kick by the Purdue Boilermakers. Got it. Okay. Uh, well, appreciate you hanging in there. I'm sorry you're going through this. Uh, how can I be here for you? Like, as your friend, what can I do to be I, there? For you? You're, you're showing up, you're getting on the Zoom, and that's really all that, that's all that I really need. Um, I would like to send a message, though, moving forward. I'm not slipper flipping again until Michigan State wins. <laughs> I greatly appreciate the fact that the slipper flip has gone away. So <laughs> I'm, you're, the only, you're the only one. I'm enjoying this little time off that we have. Uh, you and I started the first 30 minutes that we uh, saw each other today on a Zoom call arguing about Billie Eilish. Would you like to comment? No, I mean, I, it, it wasn't even an argument about Billie Eilish. I just, you showed me an American Idol contestant, and I was like, wow, she's special. Yeah. And then you took it a step further and said Billie could never, and that's just wrong because Billie could. I don't think Billie could do what my sweet baby angel did to Billie's song in that performance. That was cra- like she that took- was a, that, was, that was a great performance. That was better than Billie doing the song. So- I think that Billy's song, it's Billy's song, mind you, is flawless. That means the song is flawless. That means Billy's performance of it is flawless. But to take a flawless song by a flawless singer and elevate it, which is what My Sweet Baby Angel did in that performance, like that's that's unheard of, Car. You can't elevate flawless. And I just saw flawless elevated. And I think you did too, and I think you're in denial. I'm not in denial whatsoever. I, honestly, too, this is a bounce back year for you, idol wise. I've always trusted you. I always have. You kind of led me astray in the past season. I don't think I led you astray. I just actively, vocally did not support the obvious winner. Like, I, my job isn't to pick the obvious winner. My job is to pick someone who won't be singing at amusement parks for their next 45 years. Yeah, well, I'm saying, like, you've done great things. Like, you put me on Fritz. Like, that, that'll forever hold a special place in my heart. Sure. I, I I think you got a little bit complacent on who you're sending me. Like, this one was great. This one was great. But, you you know, there's there's been a few in between there. And I'm just like, uh, eh. Yeah. I don't like that energy from you. But, hey, if luau's are your thing, go ahead. Like, my bad. I should have sent you Mr. Luau himself. Uh, all right. <laughs> to the show you got a youtube comment for us today yeah i i can let's 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 see what we can do here uh so many comments honestly do you remember we used to actually read every single you that would literally be physically impossible literally you know we could do a full episode on that let's see here on okay let's do this uh, this comes from the Zach Eady announces that he's going to return to college basketball video. 
and I think this sparks a conversation. I'd like to know your your thoughts on it. Purdue is going nowhere. Stellar class incoming. And that had me thinking because to me, there has been a lot of talk about how good Purdue is going to be next year. And I'm all for that. And I agree that Purdue is going to be good next year too, by the way. Like, I think we talked about that even at the start of the season that like, if you take Zach Eady away from this team, there's still a top 15 basketball team in the sport, but, and I'm sorry, this upsets people. Is there a bit too much of next year talk in your opinion? Wait, is this a comment from someone or are you extrapolating off of the comment? What was the comment? All I said, all, basically, I, I summed up a lot of comments on the video that saying Purdue is going nowhere. They have a stellar classic coming, which is very much true. Cannon catchings is really good. Uh, Jakari Harris is good. Like, they do have a good class. They got Jacobson, which is a 7 3 guy coming in. Like, they got guys plus guys coming back. I just see a lot of next year talk, I feel like, circulating for a team that is probably final four bound and that that just has me thinking probably final four bound yeah you throw the you're throwing the probably word around you can't say they're for no one's for sure final four bound not many are probably final four like that's we talked the tournament is a fluky fickle little beast like i i would say possibly final four bound like we we would hope hopefully final four bound but Probable. Probable? I think I'm going probable. Wow. Okay. That seems like a lot of pressure. It could happen. I hope it happens. Um, I hear what you're saying, and I agree with your sentiment behind it of like, hey, you're in the middle of the year. Let's not talk about another year during the middle of the year, which has been a thing. I think I've expressed it a little bit differently in my conversations with produce fans both on and off this podcast. But I think like, like one of my frustrations with the way Purdue fans seem to interpret or engage with their team this year is like, they get so distracted by other things that they aren't enjoying what should be the most special year in program history. Right. That's, that's my interpretation as an outsider of it is like, guys, y'all, y'all have a one of one generational talent with a blossoming backcourt, with the perfect fit senior grad transfer, everything's humming. You won the most loaded Maui Invitational ever. You're going to win the – like, just enjoy it. Can we just sit back and enjoy it without, like, getting distracted by other dialogues constantly? And um, I don't think – like, on my list of things I think Purdue fans get distracted with, next year is not very high on it. I know people like talking about next year. To me, that's just a sign of a healthy program. Because I can tell you, I go back to my my special year with my team a decade ago. Still got a decade ago, but a decade ago. Uh, like I had Burke, Hardaway, Levert, Stauskas, McGarry, Robinson. I had all those dudes on one team. And I was sitting here being like, well, next year we got Walton and Irvin. We might be even better. Like that's, that's just what a healthy program does. So uh, I can't blame them for it. I would try to be a little more in the moment with how special this team is, but – can't knock them for being excited. Yeah. Okay. I'll you. I feel like you disagree with that. Uh, n- act, no, I think you showed me the light. Cause if you did have something to be excited about and talk about, you would talk about it. So I don't, I don't blame them. Okay. Do you want to talk about anything you're excited about in the future with your program? No. 
Nothing at all. Nope. Jace Richardson's coming in. That's cool. Legacy guy. Yeah. That's dope. Kurt Tang is like actually one of the most exciting recruits you've had in a long time. I'm excited for that. I do like Kurt Tang. Okay. Madi COVID year? But it, yeah, but it's like here's here's how I put it, Greg. Um those, those are great pieces, right? Those pieces, if they're making up a car, that could be a great car, right? Be a nice exhaust pipe, nice set of rims. It's like Kurtang, you know, you, you, something to really make a nice, nice car. What if the person driving that car is blind? <laughs> what if the person driving the car refuses to wear glasses because they don't like it when they drive. So they drive somewhat impaired because they refuse to wear glasses. So you're telling me like, if you gave Stevie wonder a Lamborghini, he'd still take the bus. Yeah. I think that's pretty profound actually. When instead <laughs> you're Stevie wonder, get somebody to drive the Lamborghini for, get somebody to assist you in the Lamborghini. Who's another famous blind guy? I am not apt in blind celebrities. Okay, well, take Ben Affleck from Daredevil. He was blind. Like Stevie Wonder. Spoiler! That movie came out 20 years ago. Didn't know you were a big Affleck guy. You've never seen Daredevil? No. What? Sorry, can we move on? (laughs) That's crazy you've never seen Daredevil. Yeah, I haven't. Sorry, and I like I'm, I consider myself a big Affleckian. Yeah, that's that's shocking to me. Yeah, sorry, but again, spoiler had no idea it's about a blind guy. That's not a spoiler. That's literally the the premise of the movie. You could have got that from the previews. Yeah, so spoiler, if I wanted to find it out from the previews, I'd watch the previews. Sorry. All right, <laughs> go to the Discord. Uh, hey, let's give some shout-outs to our new members in the Discord. Once again, we had a few new joinees last night, which excites us very, very much. Uh, BB No Frosty has joined the Discord. We love to see BB No Frosty. Culver's 08, a Wisconsin fan. This is our uh, our second Wisconsin fan, I believe. Maybe second or third. I can't remember how many total, but... Uh, Shout out to Culver's. It's good to see other fan bases continue to grow in the Discord. And then uh, North Heat, too, a Purdue fan who hails from where Braden Smith hails from, supposedly, has joined the Discord. Three new Discord signups in one night, Cart. That's a really good number. We love to see three signups in a day. Let's get to 200, folks. I want to get this tat. What would you get tatted at this point? Like, if you if you knew it was imminent, what would the tattoo be and where would it be? I think I would go Sleeper's logo. And I might go ED spot. Which logo? The moon logo or the text logo? The moon. Okay. Just the big moon? Maybe both. See, I feel if you got the moon, I feel like random people who don't know sleepers would be like, why do you have a moon tatted on you? And then you'd have to like explain that it's actually my podcast and that would bring problems to your world. What if I got a QR code tatted on me? (laughs) Uh, I mean, I love the concept of that. What would it go to our channel? Yeah. I love the concept of that, but I also just want to see the logo on you. I mean, I, I'm literally thinking about just pulling Zach, like Zach Eady just gets a bunch of random forearm pats. I might just get a forearm pat. You you don't have anything on your forearm right now. Do you, you have the, you have the one like 
whatever your wire. I, I don't have I don't have anything I can't cover up. You have initials on your wrist, I believe, right? Or yeah. Okay. Nothing on the forearms though, right? I'm not wrong on no, that. I, I I kept all one of the things is at least this used to this used to be it, because obviously I'm 30, but my parents were like, you can get tattoos, but just like one, don't get something stupid. Make sure it has meaning. And if you need to, like, be able to cover it up. Like, the one on my wrist is on the one I wear a watch on so I can cover it up. Everything on my arms can be covered up with, like, shirt, whatever. Nothing on the forearms, nothing on, you know, neck, face, anything like that. Got it. Do you uh, do you think that, regardless of this sleeper's one, do you think that you're done getting tattoos? Yeah. So you will not ever get another tattoo unless you lose this opportunity. I mean, I can see myself getting one like when I'm older, like when I have kids, like maybe they want to get a tattoo and I'm like, let's get a family tat. That'd be fun. Yeah. Okay. All right. Uh, Discord comments. Shout out to the new users. Like we said, we read the comments every single day. Just tag Sleepers Media in the Discord. Uh, and if you want to support the show, the number one way to do so is join the Discord. There's a link in the description of this video. It's $9.99 a month. Try it out. If you like listening to the show and you have 10 bucks to spare, try it out once. See if you like it. If you don't like it, leave. We won't hold that against you. If you do like it, hang around and uh, know that you are keeping the lights on and making sure that we can do this as a full-time thing. Here we go. Uh, we start today with... Sorry, I'm all over the place right now. You're okay, Gregory. Please. Am I doing okay? Yeah, you're doing all right. By the way, last thing I'll say. The great part about joining the Discord is you can try it out for a month just for 10 bucks. You know what I'm saying? This ain't like Planet Fitness or Lifetime Fitness or any like gym membership. We're not locking you in for a year. This is an AT&T or something like that. We're not locking you in. We're just asking you, just, just try it out for a month. If you don't like it, you can exit cordially. You can exit negatively for all we care. Um, But I, I highly recommend just giving it, giving it a go. Yeah, when you exit non-cordially, you actually become a legend in Sleeper's Lore. <laughs> so yeah. uh, it could happen. Okay, I have where we're at. We start off with Malik Perry today, who says, I think MSU will be different next year. Greg, we have three point guards. Next, why we need a fourth. I want that Braden triple-double bet because Greg's still in the matrix. Name your top five Big Ten teams next year. That is just a roller coaster of a comment. I still don't I don't understand. Do you want to take that one? Um, I guess I'll... I'll just go straight to the top five Big Ten teams next year. Um, I yeah, I feel like that's the best place to go. Um, I love Malik, man. I just wanted to make that known. He's he's yeah, I do too. So I think Purdue. There's going to be a lot of turnover in the Big Ten next year. Like Edie's out of there. A lot of guys on Maryland are probably going to move on. Uh, Michigan State, obviously. Michigan turn. There's going to be so much turnover around the league. I really don't know. So I am going to give the benefit of the doubt to someone continuity. So I think Purdue is going to be number one again. Um, Wisconsin, I think will find its way up there because I'm going to fall for it again, even though they got the NIT DNA, they can literally run it back with their team. They're going to lose a lot though. Are they, I mean, they can get Crowell back, right? Yeah, but I th they're going to lose wall. They're going to lose Klesman. I think they're going to lose store. Wait, isn't Klesman a junior? I thought Klesman was in his fourth year right now. Maybe I'm wrong. Oh, uh, yeah. Who knows without a COVID year works. But I think the top four in the Big Ten will end up being Purdue, Wisconsin. Ooh, Michigan State. 
uh, Indiana, Maryland. Okay. Uh, no Illinois on your top five. They just they're losing a lot. I mean, they got a lot of talent deep though. Like true, and they'll probably build through the portal. Yeah, yeah. Illinois will probably be up there. Talking like Marez, Hansberry, hopefully DGL still, Ty Rogers still. Yeah, still like that's, true. Yeah, Illinois will be in there. Though. I mine would be Purdue one, Illinois two. No brainer those two, and then you're working down. I think I would throw Minnesota in that next group. Um, I think. I'm trying really hard to avoid like Iowa or honestly, the more we do this, I think the Big Ten's gonna be incredibly weak, like incredibly, incredibly weak going forward. Um yeah. it's hard for me to keep Michigan State out of the top five. And I think Michigan State next year is gonna be worse than they are this year. So I don't know. Weird times. Uh Malik also says JFJ and initial stats look the same, only difference. First play two more minutes and Watt played 14 more games. Yes, Fear's career, in my opinion, will be better hands down. I don't follow the math on this one. Yeah, I don't either. What's the next comment? Dylan Terpstra says, in a perfect world, this is how I would want Michigan State's next year rotation to look like. Point guard is Fears and Holloman. Shooting guard is a transfer slash wing, guard slash wing. Small forward is Aikens. Power forward is a transfer big. Center is Booker. Sixth man is whoever doesn't start between Fears and Holloman. Cohen Carr, seventh. Kohler, eighth. Kurtang, ninth. Carson Cooper, tenth. What do you think of that projected rotation? So I'd rather put Aikens at the two and get a get a transfer wing, like a, a true wing, too, like a six, six wing is, is what I would like. Um, and I just want to throw this out there, too. I'm still like very maybe even higher than other people on what Norman can bring to next year's team. Like at at the worst, isn't he just a guy who actually has some size and can shoot? Yeah, but you never know what that looks like. Yeah, like- I never know. Yeah, I never know what that looks like, but I'm just I'm saying like I think he I think he is gonna contribute to next year's team in some form or fashion. He, he shit, he might have to, uh, with how the team's gonna operate. But I think I would much rather you know, Aikens at the two and then truly go out there and get a three. That's a, a, a six, six wing that can play make preferably. I would like to believe that Norman has an impact. I loved him as a recruit on paper from what I saw in general, if you're red shirting and you're red shirting while like your archetype is something your team could use. I don't think that's a good sign. Like Gary Norman is red shirting on a team that needs size and shooting on the wing. That's not no. great. <laughs> Gary, Gary's ten, he's, he's 10 steps ahead of you, Greg. He saw, he saw the Watt vision in the summer. He's like, I'm good on this. Maybe, maybe could happen. Like he, uh, yeah. he, he, he saw that the five-star kid who's playing behind Sissoko and Cooper's not getting in. What makes you think I'm going to get minutes on this team yeah. when it's at the wing? Like he, he, he saw the vision. You're right. You're probably right. Um, I like your point about Aikens playing the guard spot, though. I think if we're talking like, let's say Izzo actually does do the unthinkable and go aggressively try and bring two transfers in, like best player available. I think he should be recruiting wings. I don't think he should be recruiting guards. If they're like, again, I said this on another thing. If 
it were me, I'd go get four transfers. I'd get a starting point guard, a starting wing, a starting power forward. I'd get starters everywhere other than Aikens and Booker. That's what I would do and make people compete. But the reality is Tom Izzo is only going to hunt like two max. If he hunts two, it's important one of those is like a true wing. Because you still have Fears, Holloman, and Akins. Between those three guys, you can get all your backcourt minutes. You don't need a guard. Um, you need a small forward. Like Unless you're going to play Akins at small forward, the only options are Kurtang and Gary Norman, who have a combined zero college basketball minutes. We have no idea what those guys are going to be. Um, and and Kurtang is 6'4". Kurt yeah, Kurtang's small. So I think, uh, yeah, to me it's like get wings, get multiple wings. Get a guy who could stretch down and play the four. Get a guy who could stretch up and play the three. You're still theoretically going to have a lot of bigs on the roster, depending on what he does with Mahdi, but hopefully Booker, Kohler, and Cooper are all back. You need forwards, small forward and power forward. Go get a couple starters. Uh, this is from Tristan Freeman. He says, for Greg, thoughts on your performance in the inaugural Sleepers Fantasy League and who is your pick to win it all among the final four? Uh, I have to give my pick to win it all as Rex. Uh, tip your cap to the champ. Rex, I gave him my best shot in the first round of the playoffs. And uh, it it was close. I think he ended up beating me by a category. Um, yeah, just a star performance. He has Zach Eady and others. That's that's tough to beat. But uh, I I'm proud of my performance. Made the playoffs. Uh, as long as I make the playoffs, I can feel good. Like the top 33 percent in a league of 24 teams, I can go home and sleep at night with that. Uh, I am frustrated. I think the door was open for me to win my playoff matchup with Rex, and uh, a couple guys let me down and gave me stinkers when I needed them. So uh, no comment. Maybe shouldn't have built my team around Tyler Kolick and Dewan Harris. Lesson learned going forward. Uh, Mo Hill says, my coworker is good friends with DGL. I'll have to see if I can get some info. He shows me snaps. Dude is either posting pictures with his girlfriend or saying how much he loves his mom. Little basketball thrown in. Any thoughts on this DGL development? We have a DGL mole, maybe. Uh, uh, big nothing burger. Mm. Okay. Massive nothing burger. Okay. I mean, I I would like a mole with every player in the country if we could get one. Like, if you tell me, like, you went to first grade with the cousin of Jalen Bridges, like, I want to talk to you. Who would be your top three players you would want intel on at any single time if you could get it? <laughs> That's a fun question. Right now, Doug McDaniel, Xavier Booker, and... Trying to think of somebody national outside of this. Maybe like Donovan Klingon. I like that. I like that three. I might have it because I think the first two for me are the ones I'd want for sure. Who? Booker and Dan McDaniel. Dog, yeah. 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 Actually, I want my third one to be I want I want double intel on my team. I want WAP. <laughs> yeah, I mean you would I think you would know what the updates are with WAP. By the way, I I'm scratching Klingon. Boo booey. Has to be my number one. I want I want Boo Intel 24 hours a day, seven days a week at all times. Uh Boo, if you're listening to this, man, we love you. I just I like we've gotten a lot of players to like acknowledge us. Boo never has, and that hurts. It yeah, really hurts. Like, I mean, the Boo Zone, Boo, we've been singing Boo Darius, right? Like we might have to show up to senior night. Yeah, we really might. It's a big couple weeks for us here. 
Uh, okay, moving on. Uh, BB No Frosty has his first comment in Sleepers Discord history. Says, I'm a lifelong Michigan State fan and Iowa State alumni with the way that Iowa State has been the last few seasons. What are the chances that Otts decides to stay and build his dynasty in Ames over higher profile job offers? So I don't know this for sure, but this is just information that I've been floated past me that I'm going to you know, do the classic Carter thing, not look into it whatsoever and just take it if I want to take it and don't take it if I want to take it. Um, Otz's buyout is massive. That's a fact. Um, but also, like, is Otz not like a Iowa State guy? Like, his wife went there, um, like, things like that. I, I, I think, I think like, his family, his life is Iowa State, if I'm not mistaken. So you couple that with the buyout, you know, it's going to take something crazy or special to get him out of there. I would lean more towards him just building something at Iowa State. I think Otz will leave at some point, but I think it's going to be for a better job than people think. Like, I I don't think Otz is going to leave for, like, Ohio State or Michigan from Iowa State. I think Otz will leave for a top five job in the sport one day. Hmm. But that might be 10 years from now. Like, he might... He might put 10 great years in at Iowa State and then North Carolina calls. If Bama loses oats to somebody, let's say Bama loses oats to Michigan just for just for shits and giggles, would Otz leave Iowa State for Bama? No. That's my read on it. No. Okay. I don't think he would. Okay. Uh, you want to know where I think Otz coaches next? Where? Kansas Jayhawks. After self, they bring in Otz. I think self leaves and Otz is one of the first calls. And if he got the Kansas offer, he would leave immediately. Ooh, I, I like that. Be, I think he'd be very good there too. I do too. Yeah. Okay. Uh, but shout out to BB No Frosty though. Love the Iowa State alum, MSU fan. Bet Corey Lucius, maybe Chris Allen, some of your favorite players in college basketball history. Also, some of my favorite players in college basketball history. Legacy guys for me. Yeah. Uh, Malik has another one. He says, "Who wins, Carter or Malik Hall?" Parentheses me. In one-on-one. <laughs> Malik Hall. What's the score if you play Malik Hall one-on-one? Uh, let's say 2-11, winners. I think it's 11, 11 to 5, Malik. You're getting 5? Yeah. How motivated is Malik Hall in this game? I don't think he's very motivated at all. I think that's how I get my 5. I could buy that. If you get like a motivated Malik Hall, I think it's 11-0 or 11-1. You don't think I score? Is it three dribbles from the top? Probably, yeah. And you have Malik Hall on you? Yeah. I don't think you score if he's engaged, no. Yeah. He's quick and strong. He is, he is quick and strong. He's like me, but like in shape and athletic. And bigger. Is he Is he bigger than me? He's taller than you. Is he? Yeah. I thought he's like 6'6". Six, six. I thought Malik Hall was like 6'8", like a legit 6'8". Oh, he might be. Hair makes him like 6'10". Yeah, true. I'm scoring, though. That's ridiculous. With an engaged Malik Hall, you really think you're scoring? Yeah, I'm getting one. Only if you, like, hawk your way into getting one, which could happen. You'd have to pull, like, a me when I play you. Like, I basically have to talk you into just leaving me open. Yeah, I'm, I'm scoring. What's the move if Malik Hall's guarding you? Like, what's the go to? Where you? How are you trying to get yours? Him? I'm probably going. I'm probably going jab right, 
Hopefully he goes for it. I pray he goes for it at least a little bit. Two dribbles to three dribbles left. Pump, come back right for the right-handed hook shot. Okay. So you're like post-posting. Yeah, like I'm, I'm getting to the post. And if he doesn't fall for that one, the right hook shot also might be a pump. Okay. I would pay money just to see Malik Hall try his baseline fadeaway with you guarding like 10 times. The thing is about it, Greg, and we're not going to stay on this too long. Mentally, when I know you have three dribbles, that helps me massively on defense because I'm looking for where that third one is coming from, and I'm getting up for the contest. How many possessions do you think it would take Malik Hall with you guarding to score 11 points? How many possessions? Yeah. Like if, if everything is worth one. How many times does Malik Hall need to attempt a shot with you guarding to get to 11? I feel Malik, like – I think you're going to say something like 30 or some crazy shit. Like, no, I was going to say like – I mean because he scored – or are we going by twos and threes? Or no, ones and just two? everything's a one. Everything Every, is a one. Everything's a one. Okay. That, see, that changes, that changes things. So I'm, I'm kind of letting him shoot. How long until he makes 11 shots? Probably 19 to 20. Okay, so like 50%. Yeah. I think that's still a little generous to yourself, but maybe, maybe. Okay. That's that's grounded in reality. I like that answer. Guy says, I'm currently in the process of getting crucified because I don't know what Naruto is. Do you guys know it? Is it good? Am I out of touch? Why should I know what it is? Uh, I mean, you definitely should know what it is because I feel like it's like a just a pop culture thing. It's it's anime. I know that for sure. I don't watch anime, but I know what Naruto is. I don't know what it is. Uh, I mean, I know the concept of what anime is, but unfamiliar with all of it. They gave it's us very characters. It's a very popular anime. They gave us characters, by the way. Uh, apparently, your character is Shinobi Lee, who is shaped like a Snorlax for any Pokemon fans out there. That's crazy. Well, I I mean, I'm just looking at the gift they sent. The guy is shaped like who a... Sent, who sent that? Tristan. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then mine, I don't know who this character is, and there's no name, but he has white hair, a headband, and he's just tickling. You you, stri you strike me as a tickle monster. I don't want to elaborate on that. Um, then we had some nice back and forth from Discord members after this where... Uh, I said, I don't understand any of this. And then Guy said, oh, my, it's not just me. Thank you, Greg. And Coy said, Guy, Greg has a child and pays taxes. You are 17. I'm supposed to be out of touch. Kyle Tupper says, bold of you to assume Greg pays taxes. Hey, respect it. Gregory has a tax guy, as a matter of fact. Want to make it unequivocally clear? I pay my taxes, IRS, okay? I, I pay them <laughs> on time, too, let me tell you. Wonderflonium says, are we sure Thoreau was good? Is he just Mac Emerson? How much dog does he have in him? Is nature enough to win in March? Help Guy with his essay. What? <laughs> That's all? Yeah, what? No comment. UK says, will anybody be able to cease the geese upon release? They are ready to fleece the top seeds peace and give their March dreams a crease as the days till March decrease. I don't think anyone wants a peace as their power continues to increase. 
a little too much repetitive on the words that end in East, but regardless, great little monologue there. Um, I'm starting to think though that the the geese are gonna let people down. Like there's there's always one team that everyone picks. They're like, oh yeah, that team's gonna make an upset. That's that that's the team that I want to pick. That's the 12 seed I want to pick. And then they they let people down. So you think they're gonna leave their fans deceased? Yeah, I think that I can't think of a word that I want to, but their ex their expectations should be least. Uh, okay, I'm trying to make grease work right now. It's not working. Thank you, UK. That was fun. Carter House says, we need a fast food tier list slash ranking. Give us your fast food tiers. I already know we're going to argue over this. Yeah, I mean... Just give me your top one, five. Give me give me a top five fast foods. Top five. Um, I think one is Wendy's. I think two is still McDonald's. I don't get the McDonald's hate, to be honest. Like, you got to respect Donald's for what they do. Um, three, three, I'll go Culver's four, um, four Burger King, five, probably Taco Bell. Okay. I don't hate that. My answer for this, for the record would be much different. Like if you were making me choose just like five fast foods for the end of time, I would give a different answer than my top five because you want some diversity. You want some versatility in the title. Like Taco Bell would need to be an inclusion if you were eliminating everything but your five. Have but, you noticed there's someone in our comments who for like the last two weeks has gone in there on YouTube and said, Greg, what are your thoughts on the chicken empanadas from Taco Bell? Uh, no, I have not. But I, I actually I saw it once. I didn't know he's been repeatedly doing that. I figured that I've was seen just, a couple times. I figured that was just a fat joke. Oh, I, I don't think so. I think you're really taking that that tubby comment way too far. It was for me. No, it was for me. I'm telling you. Either either way, like I'm yeah, that's crack. Like I'm I'm at the gym. I've been putting extra time in. Uh speaking back to my fast food right here. <laughs> uh I, raisin canes is one. Is, is, are we counting that as fast food? Yeah. Definitely. Okay, then that's that's in my five then if we are. I didn't think we were counting that. Why would that not be fast food? It it just doesn't count as fast food to me personally. Why? It's a drive through. You get your food fast the same way. Yeah, I, I, I yeah. I mean, I should. I should. I should. Okay. We're getting a Canes in Kalamazoo, by the way. For real? I am so excited. I can't wait. Um, Damn. Yeah, Canes is one. Chick Fil A is two. Crazy. Your list did not include Chick Fil A. Uh, I would put McDonald's three. I would put Burger King four. And I'm going to get slandered endlessly for this, but I'm putting Arby's five. That's crazy. The curly fries are crazy. The curly fries go. Don't tell can me you, they don't. Can you please tell me that within the last year you haven't had Arby's? I can't tell you that. Do, do you just, okay, I'll let it go if you just get the fries. Gregory, I swear to God, I'll end this podcast. You better not get like a junior roast beef. I do not. I've never had Arby's roast beef. Never. Okay. Thank God. Now, what my Arby's order typically is a large curly fry, of course. Uh, they have these little chicken mini sliders that are just chicken and you get cheese on it. They're very good. Very good. Just like a fried chicken, back, little mini. Back in college, uh, you used to have like the ID card. You could put things called Britain Bucks on them and they worked at certain restaurants in Albion. There wasn't that many. So it was like Subway, 
Um, and then there's the Arby's in town. That's like the last time I probably ate Arby's. But the one thing that was fire, the fries are good. I'll give you that. Those curly fries slap. Right. But elite. But have you ever had a Jamocha shake? No. Those are the one. Okay. From Arby's? Yeah, from Arby's. I've never heard of it. I'll have to check it out. Yeah, from Arby's. The one thing, and I will we'll move on from it after this, I dock Chick-fil-A for not being open on Sundays because every time that I've had fast food, probably within the last year, which isn't a lot, it's on a Sunday. Yeah. And, and, right. you're, not, and you're not open on Sunday. Like, what am I supposed to do with that? You're very right. My Chick-fil-A consumption would be nearly quadrupled if they were open on Sundays because I am the same. I largely only eat fast food on Sundays. Um, with that said, uh, this goes back to the pregnancy days in my household when I, I put on a good 25 pounds during my wife's pregnancy. I like to believe it was for camaraderie purposes. Like you just, you know, it's like she she has a craving or it's like we should get this. It's just easier. You know, it's harder to go out to dinner and things. It's like harder to make dinner even. It's just like, okay, we're going to we're gonna get something easy tonight. Um, we got a lot of fast food. Chick-fil-A breakfast is crazy. The the chicken mini. The chicken biscuit mini things. So that, that is, for my money, the best thing you could order from a fast food restaurant, period. Yeah. That, that that's definitely up there. Wendy's breakfast is good. I respect Wendy's for what they are. Not my cup of tea. Okay. Understood. Yeah. Okay. Uh, moving on. Ryan, the goose used to be Ryan, the lion. Now it's Ryan, the goose embracing the McNeese geese concept of giving up on your team season says, uh, is there a single reason to have any hope for this Michigan state team? If we even make March? No. Oh my God. Yes, there is. Uh, I, you guys are starting to annoy me on the flip side. Normally you annoy me because you believe too much in a team with AJ Hogarth at point guard. Now you're annoying me that you're acting like you're my team. Like you're going to make the NCAA tournament. You have a hall of fame coach and a top 10 guard in the country. And we're acting like there's zero hope at all. Yep. That's so annoying to me. It's so Sorry. like it's disrespectful to the pain that I've gone through this season as a Michigan basketball fan. I'm sorry. We can go through pain together. Oh my God. It's frustrating. Tyson Walker is all you need. That's literally the reason to have hope. Uh, Dr. Doctor is going to end our comments today. Uh, we have another Dr. Doctor paragraph. So brace for this, ladies and gentlemen. A glorified high school gym. Jesus, a glorified high school gym in Durham, North Carolina. The only arena in college basketball that allows drunk fans to be within five-foot reach of opposing players on the sideline. With a fan base nicknamed the Cameron Crazies that has a superiority complex unlike any other. Planting ex-players in the media space to control the narrative. Despite having a reputation of dirty play consisting of tripping players, bribing officials, and overall displays of disrespect to opposing fan bases and players. In order to avoid any lawsuits, I will keep names out of it because I don't look good in orange. A seven-foot player whose skills consist of being tall and a generational flop artist, Neymar's in shambles, was bumped into by an econ major who has started multiple charities and is widely respected as a good kid. This controversy occurred with the college student running at approximately five miles per hour and at a weight of 160 pounds. Upon further estimation, it is comparable to 145 pounds of force being applied. Make no joke about it. This is a tremendous amount of force comparable to trying to open a stubborn jar of pickles. 
In conclusion to this atrocity, prominent media members are calling for heads on spikes from these criminals. But much like our forefathers standing up for taxation on tea, the college basketball world, when united against one common enemy, is a powerhouse unlike any other. Purdue and Indiana fans shake hands and allow Illinois fans to share a table with us. Kentucky assists Louisville in helping find a qualified new coach. Kansas, Kansas State, and Greg drink tang and sing lowdown. No Blue Devils, you won't get your way. The fans make college basketball what the NBA wishes it could be. And much like us not wanting March Madness to expand, court storming won't go away. I mean, Dr. Doctor is just one of the greatest of our time. He's special. He's He's, he is he is author, by the way. Is he actually? I think he is. I, I'm I'm fully convinced that he is. Okay, I would believe it. Uh, it's uh, I mean another great transcription from Doctor Doctor. Uh, I also agree with all of it this time. So uh, again, thoughts and prayers to Kyle Filipowski's ankle injury, which has now turned into a knee injury, which has now turned into general soreness, which will hold him out from exactly zero minutes of his next game. Reminder: Kyle Filipowski said the players intentionally, or sorry, the fans intentionally tried to hurt him. That's what he said. Yeah. yeah. Thank you, Matt Painter, though. Um, that's everything, I think. Anything it else? Uh, he did allude to the Tang. Jerome Tang was back in overtime last night. You won another sleepers bet. Two bet winning streak for you. Uh, the terms were that I can only drink Tang for a week. And I have since asked you to let me wait until the season ends, wait until April to do this, but I will do it. Uh, any thoughts, any comments on your win and what I have to do? No, I mean, I'm not going to applaud a fish for swimming. Uh, it, it was just my time. It was time for me to start winning bets. That's just not in my nature. I'm not saying that you're not worthy of winning bets against me, but the way that you were winning and the volume in which you were winning was not becoming of who I am as a better. So uh, just it feels good to be back where I belong. Some allegations from Discord members that you're letting me off easy, waiting until April? Mm-hmm. I am. Your response? Yeah, I, I mean, everyone in the Discord is like, you're a pushover, you're letting them get off. And I'm like, yeah. That, that's, yeah. That's who you are? Yeah, I'm I'm a, I'm very much a pushover. So can I talk my way out of doing this altogether? See, no, I'm not going to let it go that far. No. Okay. Uh, can we talk through my actual terms of this? So, like, I can only drink Tang for a week. Can I drink water? You can have 12 ounces of water a day. You can divide it up how you want. 12 is a small amount. Mm. Here's my argument for this. I think if you if you allowed water to be included, I think I would end up drinking drinking more tang because I would stay hydrated. Okay. I think uh, like th- this to me is like no no milk, no cereal and milk, no soda, no Gatorade. Like it's it's t- I can't have alcohol. It's just tang. I'll allow you an ounce for every hour in the day. So you have 24 ounces of water a day. Or could it be like, could it be like I get a certain number of water based on how much tang I drink? Like if I want another water bottle, I have to drink more tang. No. Okay. Then I'm just going to not drink anything and just be super dehydrated. You got to No, you have to drink the pack of tang. I don't have to do anything. I, I can the the bet was I can only drink tang. So you're just gonna go a week without drinking anything. Maybe I will 
make a lot of soup, and soup will be my beverage. You want to go through that, brother? Please go ahead and be my All guest. Right. All right. We'll figure it out when we get there in April, I guess. Uh, okay. That's everything. Thanks to the Discord today. Let's get to our topics. Uh, I want to start today with bringing back a topic that we did at the beginning of the season that I really enjoyed and I wanted to bring back regularly, but I just forgot about it. We're going to play a game of is this good or bad? I have five things that have happened to programs that either matter and are prominent in college basketball or just teams that we like talking about and covering on a regular basis here in the Big Ten. Uh, Five things, five developments. Your job is to tell me, is this good or is this bad? Any questions before we get started? Uh, no, but now I see why you didn't give me any type of prerequisite or any type of any type of briefing on this, but I love it. Yes, we've done this before, by the way, so don't act shocked. But we just haven't done it in a while, and hopefully I remember to keep doing it down the stretch. So okay. first, first thing today, is this good or is this bad? R.J. Davis scores 40-plus points in a four-point North Carolina win over Miami without their two best perimeter players. Is that good? Or is that bad for North Carolina? That is bad for North Carolina because I consider North Carolina a Final Four caliber team. And I don't think that a Final Four caliber team should need 42 points from R.J. Davis while no one else scores double digits to win by win by four against Miami at home. That's where I'm at as well. Uh, I don't know how much we're going to disagree in this segment. We might just agree on everything here. But uh, yeah, I think we we did a whole North Carolina recap. That's up on the channel right now. You can go see it if you want our full thoughts. But it's good that RJ is capable of saving the day. It's a horrible thing that this is where this team is at. And Armando Bancott's taking four shots. Uh, if I have to lean one or the other, I think it's significantly more bad for Carolina that they were even in that spot to begin with than it was that RJ Davis played great and scored 42 points. Uh, Number two here, is this good or bad? Kansas is winning games convincingly while Kevin McCuller is out indefinitely. Is that good or bad? That is good. That is good because this whole season, to me, it has been Kansas is getting – it started off as two players – two and a half because Dewan Harris would is like a part-time aggressive player. Then Johnny Furphy comes into the fold. And that's, that's, you know, that's, that's a development that means a lot for Kansas. And now it seems that in the absence of Kevin McCuller, other guys have stepped up and up their level of play. I think that Nick Timberlake's up this level of play. I think that KJ Adams is up to the level of play. Um, even if it's minuscule, I think guys like Jamari McDowell have even made an impact. Marco Jackson has moments. Um, I think it's a good thing for Kansas uh, moving down, you know, moving along in the season, as long as McCuller comes back and is healthy. That's why I think it's a bad thing. Your last sentence, as long as he comes back, the concept of Kevin McCuller being out indefinitely by default is a bad thing for Kansas. It like, of course it's good. They played well, but like, no, (laughs) do we know, do we know what is wrong? I thought it was just like a lower body injury. That's what I believed, but who'd be wrong? Okay. Yeah. I mean, that's what I thought it is too, but I just wish I had some clarity on this one because yeah. it's, it's, it, it is catastrophically bad if he's not coming back. 
Yeah, when injuries don't have clarity, I normally take that as a very bad sign. Uh, like if it's just lingering and looming and there's no commentary on it. Um, he also was like trying to play through it and then an abrupt like, we don't know if we're getting him back. That can't be a good thing. I think it's bad. Uh, you think it's good. Okay, we disagreed. That's fun. Next one. Illinois gets a 10-point win by benching all five starters due to effort. Good or bad? Bad. Please elaborate. <laughs> I, I just I, – I'm not of the belief that having to bench your team of 23-year-olds for effort issues is a good thing regardless of what the outcome is. It's the last week of February, right? Like there's there's two weeks until postseason play. And we've got like grad transfers that are struggling with basic hustle plays. Yeah, that's not good. That's not good. Shout out to Nico Moretti for being good. But like it's an objectively awful thing for our Illinois team that we hope has great things in store. Like right. Not good. Okay. I've been bad for everything. I'm just like glass half empty today, I guess. I have two more for you. Uh, this one is going to be kind of hard for me to tee up, but the message boards, the rumors around Indiana basketball are that fans can expect a, quote, mass exodus from this program this offseason. Whether that means Mike Woodson is out, whether that means Malik Renew looks to leave, whether that means Khalil Ware enters the draft, who knows? Apparently, there there are message board posts from insiders that say expect Trey Galloway to be honored on senior day and then open his recruitment as a grad transfer somewhere else. Is it a good or a bad thing for Indiana basketball to have a mass exodus this offseason? I think it's good. I think it's good. Um, would I like to keep Malik Renault renew? Sorry. Yes, I would. But to be honest with you, like these guys just aren't it. Like, I think you need to, I think you need to look at this and be like, okay, this team that I built last season was not it. And I get a fresh start. Let me build something that actually works. And I got Liam McNeely coming in and let's make something work. I think keeping retaining, uh, Malik would be a bit, a big part of that. But like outside of that, like, yeah, get these guys out of here. <laughs> yeah. Let's, let's get some let's get some guys in here. Yeah. As a fan of another miserable basketball team this year who is gonna miss all the tournaments, uh, where can I sign up for the mass exodus? I would love <laughs> mass exodus. <laughs> one, one exodus, please. Yeah. Do, do you have room for two there, please? Uh I yeah, I think it's a great thing. I think it would be a great thing for Indiana basketball to lose their coach and to wipe this roster clean. If you if you're trying to build off of this roster for next year, you're likely just going to see more of the same problems for next year. Uh, okay, final one here. Is it a good or a bad thing for Michigan State basketball that Xavier Booker started last game but did not finish last game? Bad. It's bad. It 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 reeks of. Here you go. Here you go. It's like a little, it's a little make a wishy for me. It is a little make a wishy, but isn't a little make a wish better than just imminent death? I the only way this game could have gone worse is if Xavier. Actually, no, no, no. This was the worst outcome of this game. This was the worst. Talk me through this. I don't know that I agree with this. Cause I was gonna say it's not the worst, because the worst would have been this same result, but he plays bad. 
I think it's even worse that he actually played played good, in my opinion. Played okay. No, he played good. I disagree with what you're saying. I think oh, like okay. acting acting like a game where Xavier Booker starts and plays well is the worst case scenario is insane. Like the worst case scenario is he didn't check into the game. The second worst case scenario is he checks into the game and is obviously bad. Like that could he could have started that game and been horrible. Those things are all worse than this. Worse than getting Dale Bonnard? I, you might have gotten Dale Bonnard anyway. That's beside the point. I'm talking like, is, is it good or bad that Xavier Booker started? And then also, like, the, the bad part comes in that he didn't finish. But I think it's bad. I think it, overall, without going too deep into it, I think it's bad because I think it's make a wishy. Okay. I think it's good. I think it's good because I think you needed make a wishy to keep Xavier Booker happy right now. And you gave him a make a wishy. Like that's that's it's a win, it right? Be, it shouldn't be at this point. Yeah, but we're at this point, and I've said it before, baby steps, right? You got he has to start a game before he can play 30 minutes and be the guy. Anything with starting a game was a win for me. Small win. Now they need to fix the end game stuff, but um it's obviously a good development to me that he even was in the starting lineup. And I think you have to take that for what it is. Separate the rest. So all right, we disagreed on two out of three. I feel like I did a good job as a host for that one. We'll take it and we'll move. Second topic today, another one I didn't prompt you on at all. A uh, couple of friends of the show were in a, an argument on the Twitter sphere this week. I don't know if you saw this. Rafael Davis and Stephen Bardo, both gentlemen in the Big Ten media space that I greatly respect, seem to really disagree on who should win Big Ten Defensive Player of the Year this year. This stemmed from a tweet that was just naming players who are locks for the all Big Ten defensive team. There were a lot of names thrown around. Uh, and then somehow this got very pointed into a who's the defensive player of the year. It's Coleman Hawkins or it's Ace Baldwin. Now, without going through and reading the tweets directly for what they are, Stephen Bardo is adamant that Coleman Hawkins should be the defensive player of the year. And Rafael Davis is adamant that he should not be because Illinois' defense is horrible and Coleman can't even guard his own position. It doesn't matter that he can guard one through four. He's not good at guarding bigs. That's tough. Rafael argues in favor of Ace Baldwin, who is incredible, very high steals guy. He's been one of the best defenders in the country this year, as has Coleman, in my opinion. So uh, where do you stand on this? Is anybody right? versus wrong in this debate between Bardo and Rafael and uh, Ace Baldwin versus Coleman Hawkins. Do you think this should be a debate that we're having at this point in the season? Um. So uh, one, this thing is very opinionated as far as kind of what people look for in defense and things like that. Like you could look at the stats, the steals and things like that. But for me, I lean to the side of Rafael on this. I just have a hard time taking Coleman as a defensive player of the year when their defense is awful. Um, and he does have, and he has had games where five positions have kind of abused him throughout the season. Um, and when I'm looking at who is the big 10 defensive player of the year, I do like to look at like, what, like, how does, how does that player affect the team's defense? So if Coleman was as good as defender as he is, I think Illinois would be better defensively than they are. Um, do I think it should be ace Baldwin? I don't know. Like, I don't know if you have on hand, like, who's the best defensive team in the Big Ten. But 
I don't know, like, would you want to go to Rutgers? Like, does Cliff deserve the award? Um, is Purdue one of the better big, you know, defensive teams? Like, I, I don't know. I just, I I agree, and I, I see that Coleman Hawkins is a good defender. Like we stated before, he's a good help side defender. His instincts are incredible. I think he's in the right spot always. But I just have a hard time picking a guy who is, one, on a bad defensive team, and two, you know, um, has a hard time guarding his own position one on one. Yeah. So <laughs> I love both these guys. I want to make that known. I, oh, I really, I, do too. I really like Bardo and normally think he's right on the money. And uh, we've had back and forth with Rafael before, but in general, like I, I love him. I love his coverage. I think he does a great job on Big Ten Network. They both do. Uh, Rafael is a guy who I think we've had some more human interaction with just either in person, say what up to him, or, uh, we did a Twitter spaces with him and DK at the beginning of last year. That was fun. Um, really respect him. I, I get why they're going at it here. And I think both made a lot of fair points. Like I think Coleman Hawkins is the most unique defender in this conference because of how many positions he can guard. I also think ACE Baldwin might be the most impactful individual defender. Like if we're talking one guy who's going to erase his matchup that night. I think it's ace in this league. I really do. I think like that, that is the hardest thing for opposing point guards to go up against is ace Baldwin. And I think that's harder than like a center going up against whoever the best defensive center is or a wing going up against the best wing defender. I don't know. Coleman's the most versatile. Ace is the most impactful. I think they're both, both first team, all defenders. Here's what's hilarious to me. Just watching from the outside. We got a conference where we have two top five defenses in the sport this year. Maryland is fifth in the country in defensive efficiency. Rutgers is fourth in the country in defensive efficiency. Michigan State, 16th in the country in defensive efficiency. Purdue, 21st in the country in defensive efficiency. Nebraska, 33rd in the country in defensive efficiency. Wisconsin, 46th in the country in defensive efficiency. You'll notice that I'm halfway through the league right now, and I haven't gotten to either of the two teams that these guys are camping <laughs> for being the best defender in the league. Like there, there are some legitimately great defenses in this league this year, and neither of them are Penn State or Illinois. So if you're making... The argument, like, I think it was Rafe who was like, you can't argue for Coleman being the best defender in this league with how bad their defense is. Penn State's defense is 40 spots worse than Illinois on, on Ken Palm's defensive rankings. So, like, neither of those teams are good defensively. They're individual great defenders. And I don't, like, if I'm rewarding the very best, if I'm hand-selecting from whoever the pool of five guys are at the end of the day, it's not either of them. And I don't know who the other others will be, so I'm not even going to give you a name necessarily. But I would assume that Cliff is on the top five, and Cliff is the heart of a Rutgers defense that is elite. I think uh, we've seen Mawat Mag, how critical he is defensively when he's in the game. I think he would warrant being on that list. I think both of those guys make more sense as the best defender in this conference than either Coleman or Ace. Um, I think Maryland deserves some credit, and I don't know. Jameer Young definitely, definitely deserves a shot if we're talking about point guards. Yeah. And and I don't know, I don't know that there is one guy on Maryland that I would single out as like the best defender. I think uh Jameer Young is a pest. I think Deshaun Harris Smith, as much as we've made fun of him offensively, has done a really, really great job defensively this year. I think Julian Reese is pretty damn good defensively. So like you're not going to say any of those guys individually are the best defender in the league, but they're all more deserving to me than either Coleman or um Ace would be. 
And if we really want to have that conversation, I think there's a better argument that Zach Eadie's the defensive player of the year than there is for Coleman or Ace. Yeah, I agree. Actually. <laughs> like he's he's just a singular force that now teams can hunt it in drop coverage, but like you know every game against Purdue, you're not getting a thing at the rim. They're 21st in the country defense. They're a great defense because of Zach Eadie. It's like the opposite of Coleman. Like everyone going against Coleman just kind of goes to the rim. Going yeah, against Illinois yeah. goes to the rim. Um, yeah, it's just different the, the drop, but like, yeah, Edie is erases everything at the at the hoop. Yeah, so if they go there, a lot of people just choose not to go there because it gets erased. Right. Who would your pick be if you had to pick the name from this list? Who's the defensive player of the year? I think I'd give it to Cliff. That's where I land every time too. I think that's the easiest answer. Yeah. Yeah. Um, would you have both of these guys? Would Ace Baldwin and Coleman Hawkins be on your first team all defense list? Yeah, I think so. You hesitated a little bit. Give me the five. Who's the five on Carter? I was going, through, I was going through it in my head. Um, because I don't want, like, I if if I want to do this, like, truthfully, I think I'd have, like, four bigs and one guard. That's fine. Okay, I think I'd go Cliff, Edie. Cliff, Edie, Coleman. Hmm. Maybe not four bigs. Uh, Ace Baldwin and Jameer Young. I was gonna say I think Ace and Jameer have to both be there, and that way yeah. you have you have Rutgers representation, you have Purdue representation, you have Maryland representation. Those are the three best defenses in the league. The only, uh, well, actually, I, they're not the three best defenses in the league. Michigan State is ranked higher defensively than Purdue is, so you could put somebody from Michigan State in. The problem is I don't know who it would be. I do. I tend to agree with you that Tyson is your best perimeter defender, but I don't think Tyson has been one of the top five defenders in the league individually. Yeah, I don't think so, I don't think so either. Yeah, it's a tough spot. Um, I like your five, though. I think that's probably the right answer. And, yeah, give it – I mean, Cliff leads the country in block rate. He's on the fourth best defense in the country. We don't really need to overthink that he's not the best defender in this league because Coleman sometimes switches on the point guards and because Ace Baldwin forces steals in a – pressure defense that is designed to force steals like yeah just a little little much it's, it's, it's easier than we think yeah okay final topic today we're going to go back to a game that we've been playing the last couple weeks uh what is the perfect draw today we're going to do this for uconn we're going to project forward to the ncaa tournament and look at teams that are currently projected on seed lines at the bracket matrix uh, uh and figure out what the best path would be for the UConn Huskies. We've already done this on the channel with Kentucky, with Illinois, with Purdue, and with Michigan State. Uh, the bracket matrix is updated since the last time we did this, so we've been giving this a couple days to make some differentiation in teams. It's up to date. We're recording this as of Tuesday morning, February 27th, so uh, that's what we're going off of. UConn, of course, is a one seed. Let's look at the 16s currently, some that were there last time. Uh, we probably don't need to spend much time on it. Quinnipiac, South Dakota State, Norfolk State, Merrimack, Eastern Kentucky, and Grambling. Which one of those would be the dream matchup? Uh, any of them. I agree it's any of them. There's no concern. However, I do just want to throw out and uh, throw our boy Ace under the bus a little bit. Quinnipiac stinks right now. They stink. Yeah, yeah they didn't pick it up. Uh, I know they've been good, and we wanted to believe in that. They've lost, I think, four straight games right now. It's, yeah. it's bad behavior. It's not good. Yeah. 
Okay, so you get through the 16. UConn can now play either an eight seed or a nine seed. You're going to pick one of these eight teams that you think is the best matchup for UConn. TCU, Oklahoma, Michigan State, Florida Atlantic, Mississippi State, Northwestern, Boise State, or Nebraska. Bunch of Big Big Ten teams in there. Who do you think would be the best matchup? Okay, so I don't want them to play any of the get it. Like I don't, I don't want them to play Boo. I think Boo could do some things and drop coverage with Klingon. Um, don't want to play Nebraska. They can get extremely hot. Mm. Is it bad that I want to say they want to? No, because you don't want to play Tyson Walker. Avoid that if you can. I think I go TCU. Why TCU? Well, I just think that they do have some dynamic players. Like I think Emmanuel Miller is one of the better glue guys in the country. I think that Jameer Nelson Jr. has the ability to have that March run. But when I'm looking at the other teams and other coaches also in that, because I think a big thing for me with UConn is I think the other coach has to be a little bit unhinged somewhat to like go head to head with, with Hurley. Because I feel like Hurley can intimidate some coaches and get at them. And I feel like you got to go up against a coach that he can maybe overpower. And I think that the T I think that Jamie Dixon would be in that category for me. Okay. I like the points you made. I think there's a better team in this group of eight that would be even easier for UConn. It's the other big 12 team. It's Oklahoma because Porter Moser has no edge at all. Unless you feel different on that. I think, I think Porter. No, no, I don't like like Porter Moser is he's so nice of a guy that he's almost like too nice. Like Hurley would eat him and spit him out. Porter is super happy to be there. Nice guy. Hey, congrats on your championship last year. And oh, by the way, I'm interviewing it to Paul. So like <laughs> I, I, th- that wouldn't scare me at all. And then I think like TCU has Jameer Nelson Jr. Who in theory could go crazy. Oklahoma. I don't even believe there's a player on the team. That Ooh, oh, we got to stop you there. McCollum, the, I think it's McCollum. That dude's tough. Not buying it. Not buying it. JV on McCollum. He's tough. Can, okay. So compared to the other seven teams in this group though, would you rather face Jameer Nelson or? JV on McCollum. To me, it's very yeah, right. much McCollum. To me, it's very much Jameer Nelson. Okay. And we're different. I just, you go through like Tyson Walker, John L. Davis, Tolu Smith, Boo Booey, uh, Tyson Degenhart, Kisei. Like, I'm I'm not afraid of McCollum. But when we're looking at the whole picture, I actually like the Oklahoma pick in general, like outside of McCollum. Like, I think that is, okay. I think that would be the ideal matchup. Okay. So we'll go Oklahoma. We'll say, uh, we'll give you a shout. Your your Merrimack team at 16. Merrimack and Oklahoma is the perfect draw for UConn right now. Uh, to the Sweet 16 where they would play a four or a five seed. Which one of these eight teams would you like to see in the Sweet 16 if you're UConn? Creighton, Auburn, San Diego State, Illinois, Wisconsin, Clemson, Kentucky, Dayton. See, Dayton came to me first. Just because I think Deron Holmes is a very tough matchup for Klingon. But the out, but that's the only thing that holds me back, though. I think I would go in this one. I think I'd go Dayton just because if they can, yes, Deron Holmes is a guy I think can like push Klingon out, but outside, I don't believe in the other pieces in Dayton. I think that the UConn can kind of overpower them in every other position. Um, my, 
overthinking like psycho pick is like give Hurley another shot at Creighton. I think they destroy Creighton just off pure like you you like he said like if I see you I'm a I'm we're gonna knock your ass out of the tournament. I believe him. I, I literally believe him. Like if they ran into Creighton, there is not a number that I couldn't bet UConn because I don't think Hurley's a liar. I think he would knock them out of the tournament. Yeah, my takeaway from this is that UConn's so good, and I'm really not afraid of anyone with Dan Hurley. <laughs> like, I I don't think there's like a nightmare draw. It's just like, okay, we're UConn, and this is our draw, and we're going to terrify you. Um, I think there's a lot of fun teams that I I think would be favorable draws for UConn here in a variety of ways you could pull from this group. Like, how about a San Diego State rematch, and you already hold the mental edge because you beat them in the title game last year? To me, UConn is about – uh, maybe a little bit worse than they were last year, but right there, San Diego State to me is a lot worse than they were last year. That would be fun. Um, I, I can't believe we made it this far of this group of eight teams and not just immediately picked Wisconsin. Yeah, Wisconsin- I, I was, I was, I was just about to throw that out there. Like this, UConn would beat Wisconsin by twenty. Wisconsin has no answer whatsoever. Like, good luck, Stephen Crowell. Here's Donovan Klingon. Good luck, yeah. Chucky Hepburn. Here's Tristan. Like, it yeah, makes with, yeah. With that said, Wisconsin. But I, I, I think you were right with your first instinct. I think it's Dayton. You think, I think Day- Dayton's even worse than Wisconsin to me because like they're they're more one dimensional. Wisconsin's one dimension is AJ Store. There's a world where AJ Store eats Cam Spencer alive. Yeah. Also, is is Dayton supposed to be a four or five seed? They're a five seed according to Bracket Matrix right now. Huh. It's a weak year, my friend. It's a weak year. All right, man. It's a weak year. Uh also, we did, we also didn't mention Auburn. I think if Auburn played UConn at five minutes into the game, realized they couldn't bully UConn, they'd get ran out of the gym. So, <laughs> I'd like to see all of these matchups. Are we locking in Dayton as the best? We we are, but I've also gotten to this point. I'm more scared of eight nines than I am of four fives. <laughs> yeah, they do seem to have scarier superstars. I mean, Kentucky and Illinois are in here, which would be yeah, true. Fire. Okay. Yeah. And Cre- we still believe in Creighton too, but okay. Not against UConn. Hurley's not alive. Merrimack into Oklahoma into Dayton. In the Sweet 16, in the Sweet 16. <laughs> to the Elite Eight, where once again, there are eight teams you could play if you're UConn. The twos, North Carolina, Tennessee, Kansas, or Marquette. The threes, Iowa State, Alabama, Duke, and Baylor. Who do you want to see if you're UConn? My immediate thought is you want to see Baylor. But I don't feel great about that. I think I would go. Hmm. I would think I'd go one of the ACC teams in here. I think I'd go North Carolina. I was wondering if you'd go that route. It would stamp your your feelings on North Carolina lately to – make them the pick for you. Why Why do you think that's a good matchup for UConn? I just think that I'd, uh, Klingon versus Baycott doesn't scare me. Um, I think that Cam Spencer is eating the lunch of Cormac Ryan's of the world. Um, I also think they can make it very difficult on RJ Davis. I think they got length. Stephon Castle has length. Uh, Tristan Newton has length as well. I think they can make it harder on him uh, defensively. And also they're they have a team that'll make them work on the other end of the floor too. And, you know, that's a lot of, a lot of movement, a lot of guys, a lot of good sets. Like they're going to make RJ Davis work on the other end of the floor as well. 
Um, and like, are we just like taking Tristan Newton to dominate his point guard matchup in that against Elliot Cadeau, the freshman in the Elite Eight? I I don't feel good about seeing RJ Davis with a Final Four on the line. I just don't. Um, I hear everything else you're saying. My thing would be this. I don't think you want to play a team in a one-game setting like that that is like the team that could go nuclear from three. Because that to me, that's one of the only things that like UConn should be not even afraid of but might be vulnerable to. It's just like the the crazy nuclear hot shooting night from anyone. Like that can get anyone, right? If you're UConn, you want a team that's just like going to try to – beat you traditionally without shooting 43s that's why alabama would be scary to me that's why baylor would be scary to me uh, i think in a in a way that's why tennessee and north carolina could be scary because connect and rj davis could just go for 40 and make things interesting uh you don't pick kansas because you would never pick bill self with a final four on the line so for me that leaves iowa state duke and marquette what happened the last time they played marquette random boys up the gym who coaches marquette Shaka Smart. So you think Dan Hurley versus Shaka Smart with a Final Four on the line wouldn't be a great matchup? Would you rather see R.J. Davis or Shaka Smart and Tyler Kolick with a Final Four? I'd rather, I'd rather see Hubert Davis. Than Shaka? Knowing you knowing you smoked them boys by 40 last time? That Then they're motivated. Oh, so we're buying Tyler Kolick's motivation now? That's what we're <laughs> doing? I, I want UNC. You want UNC. I'll give you UNC. I think UNC is at the opposite end of where I would say if I was giving my answer. But okay. So the perfect draw for UConn, according to us collectively here, is Merrimack into Oklahoma, into Dayton, into North Carolina. I would pick UConn to emerge from that group for sure. I would as well. That's a great pad. Okay. One big thing presented by Baby. What do you got today? Uh, my one big thing is, so are you a water floss guy, like a water pick guy? Do you have that? I have no idea what that means. It's like, uh, it's literally like you fill it up with water and it's like, a, it's kind of like, instead of flossing, it's just like a water pick. Like, it's like, they have it at dentists too. You know, like they. Oh yeah. The, yeah. Got yeah, it. You, I, I didn't know that was called a water pick. Yeah. It's called a water pick or a water flosser, whatever you want to call it. Um, So I'm a user of that avid user. And I saw this thing the other day that I tried out. And if you do have it, I encourage you to do this. So typically you fill it up with water, you do the pressure and you, you know, squirt your mouth, pause. Um, and you, you know, do the do the process. Put a splash next time of mouthwash in there before you do it. Life-changing. Hmm. Truly life-changing. Hmm. Okay. Interesting. I can give that a try, but I need to acquire a water pick first. I always refer to that as the splash machine. I mean, I mean, given your history, would you not want to be associated with splash machinery? Isn't that where you got caught in a tunnel that lit on fire? Yeah, but corn dogs, breaded breaded glizzies. <laughs> uh, the that was a good one big thing today. I like that from you. My one big thing today is uh, I had an argument with my wife on this last night. Shout out uh, the great Mal. And I'd like to know where you stand on this. I have argued that pretzels, like as a snack, pretzels. We're not talking soft pretzels, like not a mall pretzel, not not a put it in the microwave. It's a soft, chewy pretzel. I'm talking just like pretzels, pretzel sticks, pretzel squares, 
pretzels. My argument is that all pretzels taste the same, no matter what shape or size they come in. They're pretzels. That's a fact. Mal argues that that's completely incorrect and that like a pretzel stick tastes completely different than like a twisted pretzel or a pretzel square or a different brand type of pretzel. It's all pretzels. All pretzels like in, in that chip pretzel form, all taste like pretzel rods, rolled gold, Schneider, whatever the square ones, whatever you want it. All those pretzels taste the same. They're just pretzels. It's pretzels. Put a different name on it. It's do you like a pretzel or do you not want a pretzel? It's not chips. Okay. Yeah, 100%. I thank you. I'm glad you stand aligned with me on this because I was feeling crazy last night. We had a big like 10 minute discussion on this. Yeah, no, Mal's way off base on this one. Yeah. Okay. All right. Thanks. That's how we end the show today. We'll be back on Thursday. Everybody have a great Wednesday. You know, when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks, that's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.